Are you tired of using Google Drive or Dropbox to send files to clients? Well, never get burned again with FilePass. I love and use FilePass exclusively for sending files to my clients. It's a cloud file sharing website specifically made by engineers for engineers. It's absolutely amazing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash FilePass to check out the full feature list and subscribe today. Never lose another dime to burned projects. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. One, two, three. Hello and welcome back to Mixing Music. I'm your host, DK, and uh, we want to talk about a bunch of different things today. A little bit of an FAQ kind of episode, but I wanted to get into a couple specific topics that will be overarching the rest of the episodes. Um, I have been going online to Facebook. I'm a part of a bunch of like mixing, engineering, Facebook groups, random ones. And I see a lot of questions from various people. Uh, Basic questions like what microphones are best for these type of vocals? Um, Do converters really matter? What kind of headphones should I be using? And I also see a lot of very strong opinions. I see nobody should ever mix on headphones. You need to have really nice converters. Focus right won't do it for you. Um, I see that uh, sometimes I see... If you're not working in Pro Tools, you're not you're not the best or whatever it is, right? I think I don't really need to say anything for most of the listeners right now, but I think there's a few of you out there that are really struggling, um, and I kind of want to lift some of these opinions. Let's take a look at these um, questions, break them down, and see what's going on. So question number one, out of the ones that I just stated... What is the best microphone for whatever vocal, right? So I do notice that with microphones, when you're recording, especially as a mix engineer, so I've done years of recording, and I don't really do that as much anymore. But from the years I've done recording, and especially now that I'm like getting a lot of recordings to be mixed, um, recordings really do matter, uh, especially with the vocal. A really bad microphone in a bad room will have frequencies in it, resonating frequencies that I cannot manipulate. A very, very nice microphone will have smooth frequencies across the board that are very easy to manipulate, that sound great by itself, but as, as well as like it doesn't, it's not harsh, it's not brash, I don't need to EQ the crap out of it, and even if I did EQ the crap out of it, it would sound good. You know, with a bad microphone, I I would have to do a lot of fixing with the EQ because there's a lot of resonating frequencies, and even if I fix them, they still don't sound smooth. Like, the fact that I can manipulate these frequencies make a nice microphone nice. The hard part about this is I don't think most young producers and engineers can really appreciate how good a nice microphone is until you have been doing this for a while and can hear the resonating frequencies and, you know, are trying to manipulate vocals to sound really good like the the more experienced you are the more the more you'll start to appreciate a nice microphone that being said will a bad microphone keep you from making a dope song no it definitely shouldn't it definitely shouldn't nothing that you have like nowadays if you spend 300 400 bucks on like a little studio other than like other than the computer if you spend if you have already have a computer you spend like 3 400 bucks on like some microphones headphones and uh, a little like a uh, preamp converter you're good most of the time that's good 
that's going to help you make awesome music. There's no more excuses anymore. There's no such thing as crappy equipment. This isn't 1970s. This isn't 1980s where we're bound by these things being stupid expensive. No, they're not expensive anymore. And the cheap stuff actually can work great. Now, is it ideal? No, it's definitely not ideal. But it, is it, should it be an excuse? Definitely not. Definitely shouldn't be an excuse. All right. So get a good microphone. Uh, typically, if you're like kind of in a room that's not very acoustically treated, like you're in a bedroom, a couple things that I might consider. If you have a walk-in closet, clothes are very good at absorbing frequencies. They're very absorptive materials. So if you have a walk-in closet and record vocals in your closet, you're going to get a lot less room noise because the clothes are absorbing um, all the, you know, the frequencies from bouncing off the walls and entering into your microphone. Also, people don't give this enough credit. Uh, a dynamic mic like an SM7, sure SM7B, or even like the ones that the same ones that they use on stage, like the SM58. SM58 is a $100 mic, and it's gonna sound better than any $100 to $200 condenser microphone for two reasons. One, Sure makes great microphones with balanced frequencies, relatively balanced frequencies. There's there's other microphones that have better balanced frequencies, but more importantly, they're dynamic microphones. And dynamic microphones, although they are dark, like the recordings are dark they are less sensitive to room noise. So you will not pick up the room as much. They will be a lot less sensitive to anything else other than what's going directly into the microphone. So in this case, my microphone. You may not hear it right now. In this microphone, I have the, the door open and I have the AC hitting really hard right now, or the heater right now. It's hitting really hard. It's very loud. I can hear it, but you probably can't hear it at all because I'm talking directly into this microphone. Now, I could record a vocal with this loud-ass heater in the background, and it would be fine because you might be able to hear it a little bit, but like cons considering how loud it is behind me without any headphones on, like not listening, not monitoring to my own voice right now, that's really quiet. Like, that is really quiet through what you're hearing right now. Okay, number two, let's talk about some headphones. Uh, people give a lot of crap on headphones. Um, dare I say, I think in the next decade or two, and we're already seeing it a little bit, I think headphones are going to be the main move for many, many, many people for two reasons. One, headphones are super duper consistent. There's no necessity for a specific room for any acoustic paneling, no matter if you're on a plane, if you're in a car, if you're in your friend's bedroom, if you're in a freaking nice $10 million studio, your headphones are always going to sound the same. Yeah, granted that there's no, the only complaint about headphones is that there's no room, there's no air for the, for the music to move frequencies to move to your ears so you can't really simulate what it's going to sound like in a room with speakers right so the idea is most people are going to be listening to your music through speakers or a lot of people are going to be listening to your music through speakers and if you know if they sound good through speakers then they're going to sound good right that that's i don't really get the idea either like that's kind of the basic idea there needs to be air to move between your ears and the speakers in order to really fully simulate um, what it sounds like, what's going to sound like in various different circumstances. Me explaining this, does it already sound like how much BS it is? Yeah, so I'm a big fan of speakers. I do not use headphones to reference or to mix, only in severe emergencies, and I have a trusted pair of headphones. But I do see a up-and-coming marketplace of professional high-end headphones that is going to become a lot more normal. Um, I think we're going to see an increased use of 
US tiny USB to headphone uh, digital to analog converters. And we're already seeing a few of them. That's going to be better than the output headphone output of like your laptop, slightly. I think that we're going to see a lot of different technological advances. Now, that being said, I don't think headphones are going to take over speakers. I don't think speakers are going to be like, I don't think that they're going to go away ever. I think they're always going to be used. But I think we're going to see a lot and lot more headphones pop up. So don't smack talk headphones. So one of the best mixes I've ever heard in my life was done on a pair of uh, Audio-Technica 50s, ATH 50s or whatever they are. Um, it with mix of the at mix with the masters in France. Like the guy Saint Remy, this French dude who is a granted he's a live mixer, so he's got a lot of experience like mixing bands. He's been doing live mixing. I think it was like a few decades or something like that. So he's very experienced. But his one of his first times in the studio, because he started getting into studio helping these artists after doing the these live. And he didn't have speakers. He just had these headphones. He mixed them. Sounded amazing, which goes to show familiarity with what you're mixing on. Like, for example, your speakers are one speaker's better than another. No, there, there is no one speaker better than another. I think the most important question is, which one do you enjoy listening to the most? And which one are you willing to spend the most time in front of learning what music is supposed to sound like through them? Now, I am talking about in reference to speakers within the same price point. For example, $500 speakers to $10,000 speakers, is there going to be a difference? Yes. Are you going to mix better on one? Yes. Like, the answer is yes, but I'm talking about from $500 speakers to another pair of $500 speakers, or even $15,000 speakers to another pair of $15,000 speakers. It's opinion at that point. Does, does that make sense? I'm not trying to say that low-end speakers and high-end speakers are equal. I'm just trying to say within a similar price bracket, within the same technology, it's going to be very, very similar. Again, I talk about this a lot. A lot of people mix to make their music sound good through their speakers or through their headphones. You should never, ever mix to make things sound good through your monitoring system. You should make things sound good compared to everything else that's online. For example, like Tory Lanez on my speakers sounds horrible. Like his vocals are going to chop my head off way too bright. I listen to him in the car. I listen to him on AirPods. I listen to him on that JBL Bluetooth speaker or whatever, right? The Beats pill. It sounds amazing. Now, I'm going to, like, to be honest, like, I'm not going to mix exactly like Tory Lanez. But at the same time, if you, like, if you are not mixing to be at least competitive with him or another artist similar within that genre, within who you're competing with, who you think you're going to be competing with, like, there's no point in mixing it. There's literally no point of mixing a song if you don't know who you're going to compete with. So to mix, to make things sound good out of your speaker is only really a realistic thing if you're trying to make indie music. Let that be heard. If you're trying to make anything competitive on the radio, for sync licenses, anything, you have to understand the competition. And how can you understand that if you're not referencing through your speakers? Using speakers that you're familiar with, using headphones that you're familiar with, spend whatever you get. If you get new speakers, spend a lot of time referencing. Just, just don't even like mix your own stuff. Sure, mix your own stuff, but like spend time, just pull up Spotify, Apple, Tidal, whatever you use, and just listen to music. 
How do the speakers sound? How do the headphones sound? What are the vocals doing? How deep is that low end? How much bass can you get out of that low end? How much high end can you get out of how much like what is what is the balance of all the frequencies? What is the sonic characteristics between song and song? Can you notice the difference of sonic characters between song to song? Right? Which goes into the second point of why headphones are awesome and why I think people would be moving to them is that headphones not only are acoustically sound, but also headphones have really great bass extension. So, I again, this is really confusing to me. One of the Facebook groups that I saw, it's like, oh, I, I want to get HS5s or HS8s, the Yamahas. And a bunch, like not just one or two, like literally about five people commented, oh, I heard the HS8s go down to like 20, 25 hertz. And I was totally shocked. Like not even my subwoofer goes that low. Like you got to realize like 20 hertz is really low. I don't know. Some of you are laughing right now. Um, and some of you are like scratching your head, not quite understanding. HS8s don't go that low. My subwoofer doesn't go that low, okay? Um, they might produce frequencies that low, but definitely not anywhere near linear. Like not anywhere near like balanced. Like it's going to be hella quiet. Hella, hella, hella quiet, okay? Um, so the great thing about headphones is that it has great bass extension. There is no need for a subwoofer with headphones, um, and you're going to have really great high extension as well. There, it's Headphones, if made correctly, and if you understand them, can be one of your greatest assets. Now, that's why people are spending more and more money on these super, super high-end headphones. Now, when I was talking personally with Chris Graham from Six Figure Home Studio and Chris Graham Mastering, he is a fanatic with headphones. He loves headphones, and he is a mastering engineer. Now, he still masters a lot with speakers, but he's, he's referencing a lot with headphones, and he just told me about a new pair of headphones that he bought. Now, these are not cheap headphones. These are probably not in the price range of anybody that's looking to buy headphones. Like Because you can't afford monitors, um, you're going to buy headphones. This is probably not the headphones that you're going to buy because I'm pretty sure they're like a couple thousand dollars kind of a deal. He said that when he put those headphones on, everything changed. Like, he can hear everything so clear. It's like the speakers were in a room that were so perfectly isolated and acoustically treated that everything could be heard. Now imagine that. Imagine using headphones that will never change no matter how much money you put into your acoustic design. Like, doesn't that sound like a great idea if they figure it out? Well, I think they're already starting to. I think now we're going into a cultural change. So don't crap on headphones. Don't crap on headphones. Like, they're so good. They're really reliable. And and granted, like, I don't have any headphones that I've, I'd spend $2,000. Like, I don't li really listen on headphones. Like, I like my speakers. My clients like my speakers. The big downside is I like to mix with people watching. I have assistants watching. I can't. I can't do that if I don't have speakers, right? Doesn't matter what speakers you use. It doesn't matter if you use headphones or not. And if you're using smaller speakers and you're not using a subwoofers, subwoofer, which, which by the way, if you're living in an apartment or you're living with other people, like bass frequencies go through the walls like crazy, don't buy a subwoofer. But if you have a subwoofer, then you don't necessarily need to be referencing the low end with headphones. Um, although if you're more comfortable with the low end on headphones, then go ahead and do that. But if you're working on smaller speakers, don't worry about it. Most of these Grammy winning engineers are working on shitty NS10s, like really crappy NS10s and maybe have a subwoofer. I think like Chris Lord Algae just talked about how he added a subwoofer to his system just to add the low end, right? But even it, other than him, like most of these engineers are not using NS10s with subwoofers. So 
they have either bigger speakers, which is most of the case, nine out of ten times they have bigger speakers to reference the low end on, or they use headphones or something similar. Like they low end is great for checking on like you don't have to hear the low end to mix great music and more importantly to mix the low end to sound tight. Like <laughs> you don't have to hear the low end. Like you can get almost you can get 90% of the way mix the low end without ever having to hear the low end based on what you can hear from the harmonics of the low end and what like if you're used to the speakers and you know what they're supposed to sound like and then just check them later. It's crazy to me. Don't worry about getting speakers for the low end. Check the low end on headphones if you need to or just mix the entire things on headphones. So don't worry about that. Okay, one more thing. DAW what digital audio workstation, or if you use FL Studio, or if you use Ableton, if you use Bitwig, if you use Logic, or if you use Cubase, or if you use Pro Tools, or if you use PreSonus Studio One, or if you use the new UAD Luna, which is a DAW, by the way. Um, no, not one is going to sound better. No, it, it really isn't. Um, it doesn't matter. The workflow is what's important. Like, how the things, like, for example... I do not like to record and mix in Ableton. I, Ableton's workflow, the way that it works, is not suited for quick editing and quick mixing. It's amazing for like sampling and making beats and sequencing. It's great. Okay, PreSonus, Logic and PreSonus. PreSonus is kind of like, and Luna is kind of like the in-between between Pro Tools and and something like Logic, where Logic is a little bit more MIDI-centric and has more better recording, editing, mixing functionality than Pro Tools, but not quite as good. Um, PreSonus is kind of the in-between between Logic and Pro Tools. But anyway, I'm not going to go into these different software. The point is, it doesn't matter what you use. Use what you're comfortable. Use what you can afford. Use what you've been using this entire time. Eventually, when you get to a point where like you're like working... If you're going to work like commercially, like you're going to work for a company that's hiring an audio engineer, yeah, you might have to learn a specific job, maybe, maybe Pro Tools. Actually, I've heard of a lot of hiring companies that don't use Pro Tools. Apple is constantly hiring audio engineers, and you have to know how to use Logic, duh. Like, <laughs> it's Apple. Like, um, if you're really looking into it, like, sure, you might have to learn a few different specific pieces of software, but that doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter, Okay. So uh, another thing that I want to talk about, um, which is the last thing. One of my friends asked me, DK, you talk a lot about niching into your thing. DK, you do mixing, and not only do you do mixing, you do hip-hop mixing. Like hip-hop, pop, R&B mixing. Like that is a pretty specific niche, especially compared to everybody else around me. Because I'm, I'm in right by Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm south of Salt Lake City, Utah. And it's not a huge, huge music town. I mean, obviously, I'm in Utah. Um, but it's really awesome that I have the opportunity to niche down. I, I think I'm the only person in Utah, like literally the only person in the entire state that only mixes. There's everybody else that's a mix engineer, a mastering engineer in Utah, also records, also produces, also composes, also arranges, also does notation, also makes beats, and also like they do everything. And that's what it is. And most non-super... And don't get me wrong. There's people like that in LA as well, like we learned from Riyadh's episode, the last episode. But that's not usually the case with bigger, more condensed, more elevated music scene, like higher-level music scene towns. Like, 
ec- the laws of economics dictates that the more people there are doing a specific thing, the more people are going to niche in order to make money. So I'm the only person in Utah in this relatively small music scene doing just mixing. Yet I've been making a lot more money ever since I stopped offering services. So the question that I had from one of my um, the students from that from one of the universities that I was le- uh, not lecturing at, but uh, guest speaker for, there was the question of, DK, talk about niching and finding your niche and trying to get into it. How do I do that? So I want to address that just briefly. And this could be its own entire episode, and it should be, but I want to address that just briefly here. I think niching is very, very good. I think it can help your business. I don't think you need to force it. I don't think it's something that you need to seek. I don't think it's something that you just, like, pick and then run with. I mean, it might be that. I think usually finding your niche is something that is not given to you, but something that comes to you. Like you've been doing everything for a long. I think everybody when they're starting has to do everything to figure out what they like, one, what they like, and two, what they're good at. For example, like most people will not niche into mixing because it is usually the stupidest part, the most annoying part of the entire process for most people. Like, especially if you're a producer, like making the music is the fun part. Mixing is the the necessary evil that you have to do to make your music sound good. Like that's typically how it is, right? So you don't have to force your way into a specific niche. Do what you're good at. If you're good at making trap beats, make trap beats, right? Like, and it'll come to you. That's the big thing here. And I, I, I'm not saying that everybody should stop doing everything and just start doing one thing. No, I think there is a certain point in your career which you will know when it comes. And to be fair, might not ever come. Like, you will know. You will know this is the only thing that I want to do right now. Like, when I, was, when I finished recording, I said, I really don't want to record anymore. I'm done. Sure, I can offer it. Like, I'm not going to offer it anymore. But sure, I can do it sometimes. Like, if people ask me to, yeah, I'm not going to say no, maybe. But I'm not going to put it on my website anymore. I'm going to do my own new branding. I'm not going to talk about it. Um, Yeah, sure, I still record vocals every once in a while. Fine. But I'm not a recording engineer. I'm not a mastering engineer. I'm not a producer. I can do any of that stuff, but I don't do any of this stuff. I'm a mix engineer. And ever since I did that, my... Wages, well, not my wages. I don't get paid by somebody else. I get paid by, you know, like it's my own business. But um, I uh, I do get paid a lot more. A lot more clients trust me, which is huge because what is the only reason why someone else would hire me over somebody else? It's not my sound. It's trust. Do you trust that I can make your music sound good, right? Especially as a mix engineer, it's all about trust. So because I do nothing else, clients tend to trust me a lot more. Be like, this guy spends all of his time doing one thing, and that one thing is what I'm looking for. I can trust this guy. Versus the guy that says, I could do everything really well. Okay, listen, if you're going to hire someone right now, and there's two people, one guy that does everything and one guy that only does one thing, and the thing that you're looking for is only one thing, sure, both guys can do it, but you're going to, 100 out of 100 times, you're going to pick the guy that can do that one thing super good because that's his niche, right? I think that's kind of the glory of it. But again, don't force a niche. Let the marketplace dictate it. Let you, like, but at the same time, don't be close-minded to it. Don't say no to niching down. Um, and I hope that kind of helps. This is a whole episode that I could do by itself. Um, and I might want to interview someone for this so we can do a little bit more back and forth. Um, but anyway, 
Let me know if you have any questions. As always, I love to answer questions like this. I'm very much all about mentorship and helping people and teaching people, giving my opinions. Maybe it's self-centered, but I don't think so. I think it's more about I want to help y'all. Um, I, I really, really think that this is such an awesome career path, and I'm really blessed and like very humbled to be a part of it. And I want to help other people who are serious about it because guess what? Like, we're going to make it together if we make it as a team. I can't make this by myself, right? And so if you have any questions, hit me up on Instagram. Um, send me an email, mixes at gmail.com, and hit me up. Let me know. Just ask a question, and I might answer it on my show. I might just reply to your email, whatever. I'll let you know. And don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to try new stuff out. This isn't just some secret technique type thing. This is stuff that people have figured out along the way. Like all these techniques that you hear about, hear about, they're all like either they came from a mistake or someone just tried something, took it to an extreme, right? On that note, like really just keep trying stuff, ask questions, be curious. Don't think that there's one way to do things because the moment that you think that there's one way to do things, you're going to be the one that's going to stop being innovative. You're going to be the one that stopped making influential decisions in in the audio world, in the music world. So be creative, be innovative, ask questions. As always, I always offer free mix feedback. Um, send me an email, mp3 of your email, mixes at gmail.com, um, as always. And I do have free PDFs, resources, and all of my videos that I've been doing for my online courses. Um, they're all free on YouTube, on my website. Um, you can find it in the link from the description of this episode, wherever you're listening to this podcast episode from. Um, yeah, subscribe to me on YouTube if you want to. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun, to be honest. These videos, I spend a lot of time. My assistant, Zach Beckett, helps me out making them. Um, and I hope there's a lot to learn from. If you want to pay for the courses, then not only do you get the videos, obviously, which are free anyway, but the big thing that you're paying for is the actual stems to the songs that I'm actually working on. So you, not only do you get to see the music that I'm working on, but you get the actual tracks for the same exact song that I'm working on. And then you can try it out, and then you get some feedback from them. You can work with me, and uh, you can see how you did and see how you can improve and more on a way on a level with tracks that I'm familiar with, with tracks that now you're familiar with, and we can help each other grow. Pretty soon, I'm going to be starting this new membership club as well. Uh, let me know if you're interested. In, like, what, four bucks a month? Uh, every month, I'll be giving away stems for one song. And we'll do competitions, uh, a variety of either competitions or pick three, four, five people to do like a live stream with, to do like one-on-one mix feedback, um, talk about the mixes, uh, work on that or something like that. It's something along those lines. So we'll be doing something like that in the future. But as of right now, that's not available yet. Um, I want to build a lot more PDFs, free free guides and stuff for y'all. Um, so yeah, let me know what you want me to do. Let me know what you want me to talk about. Um, thanks for listening so much. Thanks for being so supportive of this channel. And happy mixing. Stay saucy, my friends. One, two, three. If you'd like to take advantage of my free guides and online videos, please check out links.dkmixes.com. That's links.dekeimixes.com.
Yo, what up? It's DK. Thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast. I just want to do a quick plug about Antares and Autotune. Antares makes the original industry standard autotune that we all know and love the sound of. We are sponsored by them, so if you visit mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash autotune, we do get a small kickback from every purchase. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Please enjoy this episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.